0: Do you talk about it with your friends? Do you dare talk about it with your grandparents? The Sealed Section, talking everything sex for everyone. Hello everyone and welcome back to the second episode of The Sealed Section. Today is a very special episode as my own mother is the guest Her name is Yvonne and she's absolutely amazing. We get into the nitty-gritty and literally talk about everything within this podcast today. I hope you all really enjoy it and inspires you to start having some of these conversations with the important people in your life because it's such a special thing to be able to do. And yeah, I hope you all really enjoy today's episode. I'll see you on the other side. (music) Welcome to the podcast mum. I'm so excited to have you on here. Thanks for coming on to the sealed section. My pleasure. Thanks for having me Emily.
1: So just tell the listeners a bit about yourself. Um, um, I'm a 49 year old female. I'm 50 in December, married with two kids. We have a small property that we run a business from. We live in a small rural town. We've had the business for 16 years and lived on the property for 21. Um, I love gardening and, um, yeah, love catching up with my girlfriends and having a giggle and a
0: nibble with them as well. So, yeah, no, life is good. So uh, the other day it was mum's uh 14 year wedding anniversary and in a few days time it's going to be mum and dad's 25 years of being together in a relationship so I just wanted to ask how has your sex life changed through 14 years of marriage and 25 years of being in a relationship so in the last 25 years it's just been with the
1: same person um and 14 years of marriage, so it really hasn't changed a great deal with marriage or being in the relationship. However, once I'm committed to someone, I'm committed. Um, However, with being children and everything else, that sort of changes the relationship because it's just not only you two anymore, it becomes work, house, family, building a business, so all that sort of changes the dynamics of just you two, so you're not just um, partners, you've got so many other complex issues in your relationship as well. However, at the start, for the first three, four years, we were just, yeah, always together and daily, you know, Having sex and when we travel and different things, whatever opportunity arose, we would grab it as well.
0: Yeah, I can see how it would, how it would change from the first few years. Definitely in like that honeymoon period, and then you guys did it a bit differently, not getting married until well into your relationship. Like I was six years old, which was probably a bit more unusual. I know a lot of my friends, parents got married before they even had kids. So by the time you did get married, I don't think there would have been that much of a change from your sex life before to then afterwards because you had already been together for so long. Do you think that's right?
1: Correct, yes. Yeah, we were already committed um, and we'd already had family, house, debt, business, so, oh. yeah,
0: we're in for the long haul. Yeah, all the joys of life. <laughs> Correct. Was there anything that you and dad have done over these 25 years that have kept the spark alive, any rituals, just anything that you guys do to just keep it lively? Um, I, I guess
1: for your father, he definitely likes weekly he would you know he can tell me to the t when we have last had sex for me I cannot remember or have any idea um I you know I could go two weeks and not even batter an eyelid but yeah so for us I guess the intimacy is you know constantly being together and um You know, it's difficult too when you work seven days a week with someone and we are together 24-7. We don't have much time apart. So we're lucky that we actually get along and have a good giggle with each other too. So I think that helps with your intimacy as well. And being with the same person for so long, um, you're very relaxed too.
0: Do you think you guys struggle to keep it? intimate at all because it's a professional relationship and also a friendship-based relationship because you guys literally do everything together for those who don't know my parents literally they work together they do their food shopping together they do literally everything together so is there anything like is it hard to keep it you know have that intimate relationship on top of it or is it just always there?
1: Uh, no it sometimes can be very difficult because you can just be angry with them for a different thing with work but isn't related to them either but just because they're right there you take it out on them so that can be tricky um you know sexually as well because you can use sex you know as a weapon, I guess, in a way too, because you can use that um, and control it and being, you know, I guess in a way I can turn around, there goes Rex again, I can turn around and go, no, not tonight. And so I can use it as a power play too, so, you know, which is nasty but it's just, I guess, in a relationship, it's the only control, I guess, in a way.
0: Yeah, definitely, especially within that you like have. A- yeah within a sexual relationship I'll just point out too if you do hear that squawking it is our peacock Rex he loves to be vocal and unfortunately we can't train him to not be vocal so if you hear that throughout the podcast uh yeah it's just the peacock and we can't control it at all sorry well um I know you have and can I just say the reason we? yeah keep going
1: Oh, I was just going to say Rex is in mating season at the moment,
0: so he's uh, very vocal. Yes, he's trying to get it on with the missus that he's got there <laughs> and he's been paraded it every day. <laughs> so um, I know you've had a f- fair few health issues um, throughout your whole relationship with dad, such as like endometriosis. So I was just wondering how that has affected your sex life. Did in a
1: big way, um, especially with such painful areas um, internally. Whenever we would have, um, say, so deeper penetration and different things, he would hit certain spots on my cervix, which would put me through the roof. So we had to learn and navigate different ways of having sex in um, position-wise, so it wasn't as painful. But it, yeah, it was extremely painful in certain ways, even after I've had two operations for endometriosis um, and I've got an IUD in to actually help stop the build up of it, but it still builds up. My other option is hysterectomy, but yeah, not doing that just yet
0: did you guys have to focus more on clitoral stimulation? Cause as you said, the like penetration could cause pain. So did you have to change the way you were having sex in that way at all? Or was it just changing like the positions you were doing?
1: Uh, well, we still do a lot of clitoral stimulation. Um, I think that sort of helps me to climax. So that's where we were sort of at anyway, um, but yes, position wise it is to change positions and, and sometimes continuously changing positions because of just the area was painful. And sometimes it can be all area, like the whole internal.
0: Yeah, so I can definitely just keep changing. It's not the same every single time you're having sex, which would be even more difficult to navigate because every time you go into sex, it's just, You don't know what to expect.
1: Correct. You don't know, yeah, when that's actually going to occur. And it can be, you know, 20 minutes in and then all of a sudden bang, hit that spot and then it just kills the moment because you just want to um, punch them because it's just so painful.
0: Yeah, I know myself, as soon as I feel any pain during sex, it completely cuts the mood for me. Like all the pleasure that I was feeling just instantly goes and it's so hard to try and work back up to where you were because the pain, it just, for some reason, literally is just, it just kills the mood straight away. Well, it's
1: incredible too because you don't want to hit that spot or anything else and then you get apprehensive and you're scared and because that pain is just shooting through your whole body
0: yeah and I think especially then you would tense up and even subconsciously you just eventually learn and then if you're tense if that can cause pain in itself because with penetrative sex you do really need to be as relaxed as you can be and yeah you can be quite tense and I suppose a good way to try and help is obviously try and relax and breathe through it and lube too do you guys use lube to help get through sex yes yeah, I think it's such an Definitely. yeah, that's such an important thing that so many people just especially young people like in their early 20s and people first having sex they almost see it as a bad thing like oh no like the the if you're to female and male having sex that she should be able to get wet enough herself and that if we are using lube it's it's a bad thing we're doing something wrong but I think lube should always be used it will help it just it always helps it's so much better <laughs> Makes life easier. Yeah, definitely makes life easier. Now, my dad was in a um, road accident back in like, I think it was 2011, and he was left um, with quite severe injuries. Um, He had a neck brace for a while, and like the moon boot had brain damage and just had a lot of issues going on and I thought it was a really important issue to touch on because although it wasn't a permanent disability he was impacted for quite some time and couldn't move how he used to and it really impacted just his whole life and the whole everyone's life within the family. So I thought I would just ask how did you and dad navigate your sexual relationship after his accident? Um,
1: it was a very tricky time too for a lot of that um, because his whole spine was broken as well, like his C1 held on by five mil. So I was always really scared um, if he was, um, you know, quite into it and different things that he could, you know, break his back again type thing. So we were always quite, I, a lot of the times I would just be on top because I had a lot more control and different things than he was just lying there, so to speak. <laughs> so I, I was really quite scared for him during that because I didn't want him to, um, you know, hurt himself any more than what he'd actually been through.
0: Did you guys have to use, like, include sexual aids at all to try and maximise your pleasure while you were, weren't able to do what you were used to? be able to do not all the time but yeah we're
1: not impartial to them
0: yeah so it wasn't yeah it wasn't anything obviously the environment you're in was new and had it but it wasn't anything you had the resources and the tools there to help maximize both of your pleasure correct Do you think that experience of trying to navigate that new world and find new ways helped bring you two closer together?
1: I think the reality of nearly losing your loved one and your life partner um, is a massive reality check. So sexually it didn't really change us um but the rude awakening of losing someone or the possibility um definitely brings you closer definitely and as a family you know we always said we were um team duncan but it's funny how that sort of wears off after a while because yeah yeah it did (laughs) yeah so it's funny yeah it's that massive you know change in your life and then all of a sudden the routine of you know running a business looking after kids looking after the farm doing all that stuff you kind of sometimes forget you know how close you were
0: to actually losing them yeah you definitely do did having children change your sex life at all Um, Well, yes, because you're giving your time
1: to your child and not your partner. So I think sometimes too, um, you know, your partner can be a bit jealous of the child because they're getting a lot more attention um, than when it was just you and your partner. Um, But, you know, we were very close. Like It was only like 17 days after I gave birth to you that, you know, we were back... Um, you know, having intercourse and stuff again. So we were very intimate very soon, which some people would find, how did you do that? But I wanted that closeness with him because I was just like, oh, my God, so over the top and proud, what an amazing little human being we've just created. And that intimacy that I can only get with, you know, being with him that I can't get with anyone else.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, a few people were curious and they wanted to ask, has having kids, did it like make sex feel any different afterwards? Well, at the start, as I say, 17 days is quite quick
1: Um, and it wasn't exactly the same at the start. Uh, But I was very lucky that I had um, a doctor work on my perineum so I didn't tear. So I was very, very lucky that way. Also true. Too, you took seventy-two hours, so you were um, lucky, yo-yo. So sort of probably helped with the vagina going and stretching in a way as well. Um, but yeah, I think too, if you work on your um, floor exercises, and I guess in a way too, you know, you are having sex, you're constantly using those muscles, so. They, for me, um, I've always been quite lucky in that respect, quite good control. And I guess it's not the same yeah, for everyone. Yeah, that's a really good advice. To...
0: Yeah, definitely. It wouldn't be the same. Everyone's different, C-sections. Some people have really terrible births. It, it obviously changes from each person. Now, mum grew up in the 70s and 80s. She was born in nineteen seventy. And I just wanted to know, how was sex perceived when you were growing up?
1: Our sex was still perceived as taboo and dirty, um, that, you know, bad girls sort of had sex before marriage. Um, people knew that people and did it, but it was mainly the stigma on girls, not boys, which I used to always find interesting, um, why the girl was the one tarred being the tart or the slut, so to speak, when it's, you know, both people are engaging in it. So it was, yeah, perceived um, as, you know, if you had
0: sex, the ramifications were you'd have a child. I think a lot of those issues that you just touched on are still present today. I know growing up um, when people started having sex, especially in high school around like 15, 16, the, it was always the females that would just would get slammed for it they were the ones being called a slut and then that they would only have sex once or they would then like because they've had sex with that person they're called a slut but then the male that they've had sex with can have sex with five people and no one even says a word and it's ridiculous that there's this ex like that they're allowed to do that and not be shamed for it. But as a female, you can't go and experience pleasure and explore your sexuality without being shamed. Oh, absolutely. And I think
1: nowadays it's slowly changing. Um, But I think it's going to take even more generations to come and a lot of it, I guess, because it's the male pleasure and not the female pleasure was really the focus So I think that within itself, um, hopefully, you know, your children's generation won't have the stigmas and different things. But I still think it's going to take a a lot of information and a lot of awareness that, you know, sexuality and pleasure um, is not just for the male. Not saying that it's always occurs that way, but
0: yeah it was a big issue yeah growing up yeah and it still is an issue now I think the main the best way that anything's going to change obviously it always takes time it takes generations to make change and get rid of stigma and relearn our what we think of sex and the culture around it but I think sex education is going to be play a massive role in that and until the Australian government is willing to roll out new sex education that covers everything from pleasure to STIs, but doing that in a destigmatizing way, I don't think we'll get very far. But it'll be the people doing work like me, and there's so many up and coming sexologists out there, which is amazing because I didn't even really know that was a job growing up. Like you see it in some movies, but it wasn't really something that um, people would talk about. I just wanted to touch on how was casual sex perceived um, in that time, in like the seventies, eighties. It was, or probably more eighties, nineties.
1: Yeah, yeah. For me, it was more eighties, nineties. Um, yeah, eighties, you know, nineties. Yeah. yeah, more nineties. Um, it was, yeah, still perceived that you know uh, girls that you know you're promiscuous that you know. I, It just, yeah, that you were, you know, um, people didn't understand if you were going out having sex for your own pleasure and stuff as well because it was still perceived as more man's pleasure. Um, And I guess too, you know, for a lot of females, it's empowering too to be able to, you know, just meet someone, pick them up at a bar, make that eye contact. It's the thrill of the chase and all that as well that just, gets your adrenaline going and, and you know, the, then it's, you know, the rawness of having sex with someone for the first time because it's all new and, you know, exciting.
0: Yeah, and I think especially with casual sex, you get to explore all these new things and every time you have sex with a different person, they do it slightly different and you start to really find out what you like because a lot of people who are just in the one relationship They unless they're in a really open and comfortable relationship where they feel like they can explore things, they just end up having the same sex and they don't get to explore what they like and everything like yeah, everything that you can learn from casual sex. So yeah, I definitely think that it's a it can be a really positive experience and there's it shouldn't be condemned in any way. No, I shouldn't have been stigmatized that you know, and
1: if a woman does it that she's just doing it, um, you know, just to be a slut type thing too. And it's, you know, yeah. where people go numbers, how many people they've slept with. Well, it's a ridiculous thing that you go, uh, for a guy goes, oh, I've had so many, you know, and for a girl, if she says her number, you know, it, like some people don't even know their number. Like I I've, can't count because some people I can't even remember because a lot of it was with alcohol and so i don't understand how people care for a number
0: I think the number I was literally just about to say that, and you said it before me, but I think the idea around the number is fucking bullshit. It is the stupidest thing created i and I hate it. I know my number, and I hate that I know it, and I wish that it was something that i didn't even think about i didn't even it shouldn't be something that I count like people keep um in their on their phone the list of everyone they've been with and I get that for some people like they you know they remember and I know even myself when I reached a certain number we made a list and we got everyone up on the wall and just took the absolute piss out of it. But it just it so it shouldn't even be something there. And I know myself doing something like that adds to the stigma of it, which I shouldn't yeah looking back probably shouldn't have done. But it's just I was also, I because I publicly um, posted it and I was kind of like, you know, I, yeah, I have a higher number than most people my age and I don't give a shit. I like, because so many people, they're like, oh, I'm so glad, like, I have really, my number's low or oh this guy, he said, like, how he has so much respect for me because I've only been with a few people. And I'm like, what do you mean? How could someone have a certain amount of respect for you because of the amount of people you're slept with? Like, that's just stupid. Like, how is your worth any different? And there's people that say, oh, you know, it should be so loose. But how is it any different to me going and rooting 50 people or having sex, So say I root 50 people over two years or I have sex 365 days of the year with the same person, but that doesn't loosen me, but fifty different people does, which is that loosening isn't even a thing with having sex. Like it's just stupid. But it is
1: a muscle too. So in the other ways, if you don't use it, you lose it. So you know, I guess in a way, you exactly. should be using it. Don't let your exactly. father hear you me say that. Exactly, we should be using
0: though. our. <laughs> yeah.
1: You'll go right but down. yeah, I just
0: think any. Anyone... So <laughs> having sex every day. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Lucky the kids are hardly at home anymore. <laughs> exactly. um, yeah, I just think that's one thing that is probably carried on from your generation as well. Numbers, absolute bullshit. People should not give a shit. Unfortunately, they do. But hopefully, we'll be able to move to a in a society where that's not even something that people think about. Now, I also wanted to talk about how your parents approached the topic of sex growing up because with me and my brother, you guys were, mum and dad were, like, amazing. They talked about everything um, from super young age, super open, and I just wanted to know how did your parents approach it because obviously you and dad have both been amazing in itself. Has it rubbed off from them or did they take a different approach? Okay, well... Mum was an only child and
1: her mother was born in 1899. So mum was from a, like she missed like a whole generation and so she didn't have, um, she only had really a few close friends. So she didn't really have that connection with us three girls. It was more, um, she was a scared tactics. So she would kind of say to us, you know, if you have sex, the consequences are that you will you know, have a baby. So it was always that fear of sex that, um, yeah, child would occur Um, and never for pleasure. It was never that you'd have sex for your own pleasure or that, you know, you could do it this. There was not really an open discussion that way. Um, Dad being Dutch and having, you know, he's one of five siblings, he was probably a little bit more open because he had travelled more. He was in the Navy um but it wasn't as open and with discussion I think because I was one of three girls and I was the youngest I'd sort of push the boundaries and different things with them and be a bit more confronting um and ask quite a few questions our our, you know sitting around the table was when you know you'd probably discuss things but I think because of mum being an only child, Um, and as I said, like, missed a whole generation and stuff, and her mum being so old, and Nana had mum when she was, like, 44 as well, so she was an older mother too. Uh, It was a very closed, um, you know, communication-wise, talking about sex. However, if I ever went to them for anything about sex or sexual health... You know, even when I was um later on when I was um twenty, twenty-one, you know, we would discuss things. And sometimes too, you know, sitting around having a drink, you're a little bit more open and relaxed. So that's what I always found was a good time to discuss stuff with them.
0: Yeah, at least you could go to them and talk to them and I suppose a lot of parents in that time they wouldn't have been as comfortable just speaking about sex and putting it out there because it was a lot more just conservative and it still is quite conservative i know the topics that we covered like i remember i was early primary school like i would have been younger than 10 and you sat down and drew the whole vulva and the vagina the clitoris everything and i like explain the whole thing and no one my age had even been shown that yet and so that was really awesome and always telling me before my when I got my first boyfriend like Emily you need to learn how to pleasure yourself first so that you're able to navigate your own sexual relationships better and like you've always just been like so open and honest and whenever I talk to people my age and tell them the stuff that we talk about cuz literally nothing is off between us our family dinner conversations are hilarious um They're always like, wow, like I could never talk to my mum about that or my dad about that or just anyone. So I think I've been so fortunate and lucky that I've had you guys because obviously if I did not have you guys as parents, there's no way I'd be doing this job. I wouldn't even even know what a sexologist is still. (laughs) Well, I found out on Meet the Fockers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm just so funny you say that because I remember, and it's just like ironic. I remember when um, I watched the movie and the mother is the sex therapist and I am like, wow, that is so cool. And the only scene I basically remember is when she's like sitting up there talking to everyone. And I thought it was so cool. And it's so funny that I'm here now because I was so fixated on that. Like out of the whole movie, that's the part that like drew me in. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, so you, yeah, it was. You moved to the Netherlands for a year when you are like 2021. 21. Uh, obviously, that would have been an amazing experience in itself and because obviously you had lots of family there because um, my opa, my grandfather, is Dutch. What was the culture like around sex at, at that time in, in the Netherlands? It was
1: completely different to being in Australia. We, I worked at a pub over there, um, and I worked at a pub before in Australia before I left. However, over there people were like 16 working in the pub and different things where here you have to be 18. Um, and everyone was so liberal. There were so many. Everyone, you know, casual sex was just the norm. It wasn't seen as, a, you know, bad thing. You'd be working in the pub and people like, you know, girls and guys behind the bar would be scouting the crowd, so to speak, was who were they going to go home with? So it was never seen as a bad thing or, and it wasn't really like a game on. It was just, um, yeah, it was just normal and it was fun and, and it was exciting and I guess like a challenge to see if you could, you know, pick that person up too. Um, so it was a lot more liberating over there everyone was and communication everyone you know talked freely with no judgment which was so yeah liberating is yeah incredible
0: did you learn a lot about yourself and your own like even pleasure and just about sex while you were over there
1: i guess so on reflection Absolutely, and that I knew um, what I enjoyed in different things as well. Um, and it wasn't just all about the male pleasure, it was about my pleasure as well. Um, yeah, so I guess I did um, learn, you know, more about myself, travelling around and, and enjoying, you know, different nationalities
0: could you find a difference at all between nationalities? Like was there, obviously everyone's has a different, with different nationalities comes a different culture, religions, spirituality, everything. Could Was there a difference or because being in Europe, was it all just quite the same and a lot less, um, just a lot more, um, what's the word? I just like less conservative approach to sex and what you had experienced in Australia.
1: I guess so, but the, Bottom line, um, people are still the same wherever you go type thing as well. Um, You know, a human being is still a human being. So, but, yeah, I guess for me, the real difference was, there goes Rex again, um, was more so um, nationalities, say, when I was with a Jamaican man, um, Compared to, say, a Dutchman, you know, skin colouring, different things like that, size of the penis. Yes, you know, but not everyone that is of a um, dark skin is going to be well endowed and different things either. Or not saying that, you know, just because you're a white person um, that you're going to have a small penis. You know, so it's. Those stigmas, you know, if people think that they exist, um, isn't necessarily true.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people have a misconception and they put these expectations on certain nationalities that that's what they're going to get if they have sex with that person, which really shouldn't be there because everyone, they should just all be treated as human beings, not based on, like, yeah, their nationality. Correct. Correct. How did you find, yeah, how did you find the adjustment moving back to Australia after having lived in the Netherlands? Um, It was a little bit tricky because I
1: moved back at home with my parents, Um, even though I live with my auntie and uncle in Holland. um, It was a lot freer over there than being back at home, Um, you know, while living under my parents' roof. You'd have to be home by a certain time. Um, even though I was 21, so I think I lasted a few months and then I moved out and then I was back into the swing of um, you know, casual sex and different things again. So it, being back in Australia, I guess things had but I was also 21, so things were a lot more accepting when you get to a certain age of women as well. Whereas, you know, if you're 18 and a bit more promiscuous, as people would say, um, it was a little bit more shone upon than when you're reaching, say, your mid-20s, it's a little bit more accepting. You're sowing your seeds before you, you know, settle down, so to speak, which is, you know, quite funny. And again, stigmatised pigeonhole yeah you know? yeah it
0: definitely is yeah yeah especially um a lot of people um even with like uh, creating sex positive content they're always saying like you know say 18 plus which I know like they have to kind of with regulations and stuff say 18 plus but people are having sex from like 14 so these conversations need to be happening from such more of a young age it shouldn't be something that you don't talk about because they sh- they you think they shouldn't be doing it like it needs to be open and destigmatized because a 15 year old having sex shouldn't be shamed like it just like there should be no difference between a 15 year old having sex and 21 year old obviously there's you know, issues of like, you know, if they have a child, they not, might not be in the same position as what someone who's 21 or, you know, the, just the complications that can arise from sex, but it definitely shouldn't be shamed in the way that it is. Oh, absolutely. It's a lot more protected. Children, you know, there's obviously some children that are exposed to these things quite at a young age even within Australia but then there's some people who will be 20 and a virgin and have not really know anything about sex they don't know where their clitoris is or they don't know like just things that should be taught to them before like that age and taught during school and having these conversations with your parents and all that oh you go
1: Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, and being, you know, whatever age and still being a virgin, you know, which is fine. It's just, for me, it's more so, and I used to always say this, I never cared what age you were when you lost your virginity. I used to always say it's about you being comfortable within yourself and losing, and it's not really like losing your virginity, but allowing yourself to have pleasure and all that as well. Because some people are scared
0: of that pleasure so many people are scared of pleasure. So I know so many people, they can't touch themselves. They can't, like just the thought of pleasure te- almost like just terrifies them. And like, it's not okay. And it's gross and dirty. And even during sex, there's people I know who have never had pleasurable sex. And I'm like, you like, I just can't, I couldn't fathom it myself, but I just goes to show how much of a lack of an education on pleasure there is. And it's almost like acceptable to, for females not to experience pleasure and it's acceptable for females not to orgasm, which it shouldn't be. Like it's just it, there's so much work that needs to be done to turn it around from what it is now.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I think in society it's because it's such a male-dominated society in general um, that it's secondary for women to you know if you have an orgasm well what a bonus he's done such a good job
0: yeah definitely do you have any tips on raising a sex positive household because i think you've done an amazing job of it is there any tips that you would give to people who are having children have children or just wanting to create a household that approaches sex in a a positive and shame free way oh, definitely. Um, start
1: young, really, and don't and actually tell your child you know about you know it 's called a vagina it 's not called a front bottom, you know, whereas some of my friends would give them you know pet names for the vagina or penis and different things, and I always thought that was strange it's it's not a pet. <laughs> It's, you know, it's an, you don't call your arm or your secondary left foot. You know, it's got a proper name. So use the name that it's actually, you know, if you can't say the, you know, name because you feel embarrassed by it, it's um, just, I don't know, I just say, yeah, just don't give it a pet name, you know. The other thing is, is talk to your kids when they're in the car because I think that's the best thing; they can't escape, especially when you're on a highway at 100k. You're locked in the car doors now. Or the good thing is that they got <laughs> child locks; they can't jump out. Um, and just always just be open and honest, and don't be afraid if your child wants to explore different avenues in life. I think for a lot of people, you know, think that if you're born a certain sex that that's the sex you have to be and you know and you should conform to society because of that what you were born I believe that you should be able to explore your sexuality um, whichever way you want to and because I just think people don't walk into another person's bedroom so whatever you do you know doesn't matter if it's really in the bedroom it's just a metaphor whatever you do and you feel comfortable with then that's okay so i just think think yes people just need to be open to communication and not fear and not tell someone if your child comes to you and goes oh um say perfect example say for me oh and i went to my dad and said oh look i think i you know might be a lesbian and then they shame you saying well you you shouldn't be because you're you know you should be with men or you know vice versa you know and I know for a fact when my cousin came out um I used to always say to him you know I don't care who you're with as long as you're happy and for his parents and different things it took a bit of an adjustment because they were old school Catholic so in you know they kind of thought they'd done something wrong and no, it's whoever you're with and you're happy with. So be it. Love is love. Yeah, and that's definitely. All that and I- everyone should have is love in their life because
0: it's sometimes it's a
1: rare thing. Not everyone gets it in their life.
0: Yeah, I think this also, as you said, the most important thing that can be there is communication. Without communication, you just you've got no hope of getting anywhere within that. Area because it's something you just have to talk about, and I was fortunate it's something we always talked about, and it's something that we'll continue to talk about. Even the first time I bought a vibrator, called mama, guess what I bought today? She got it straight away. You don't know how because I could have bought a million different things, and straight away she's like, Could you buy a love vibrator? Shopping? Yeah, I do. I love shopping. And she was, was, yeah, got it straight away. But, like, my friends were horrified. They're like, oh, you could tell your mum? And I'm like, yeah, cool. She's the first person I'd call up to tell. And every time I came home from a night out and I would had sex with someone, I'd be like, yeah, I I fucked this guy last night. I'd talk about it and we would get into the nitty-gritty and what happened and Dad would walk in and be like, oh, la, 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 because... he he, he's open to conversations, but sometimes he's like, Emily, I just said, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) And especially at the dinner table, I love bringing up the awkwardest things like anal and stuff, because it just pushes the boundaries because they do have this conservative approach to sex that, you know, they could be having sex, but don't talk about it with people in an open area, such as, you know, the dining table with, you know, the parents there. And I think, it's awesome that we're able to sit there and have all these discussions. And obviously we joke around with it because, you know, you've got to be lighthearted and sex is funny and, you know, there's just, you don't always have to be serious. So I think, yeah, we've been definitely really lucky that we're able to do that. Definitely.
1: No, it's always a good giggle. And I think I used to sometimes with my mum and dad when we were sitting at the table I used to do it for shock value too so which is a bit naughty
0: yeah it's definitely um you can yeah it is naughty but it also helps break down those stigmas and barriers as well because here we are talking about it so it normalizes it and the more we talk about sex in every setting everywhere the more it normalizes sex and destigmatizes it and we're able to relearn what we think about sex and approach it in so much more of a positive and liberating way.
1: Oh, absolutely, and not a disgusting, dirty way and that everything, you know, it's pure filth type thing. And I find the funny thing is, too, you know, everyone loves watching documentaries and different things like that, so I go, why don't we have David Attenborough doing a documentary on sex? Because people would listen to him because you love hearing his voice. Because when he's explaining, you know, to animals that have just met in the wild and that are, you know, starting to fornicate and different things, it's, you know, everyone's fascinated and watches the whole process. But people, when they, you know, start talking about sex, it's still that big taboo.
0: Yeah and it's funny you say that in films and the like TV shows the first episode or the first 10 minutes of a movie if they can put sex in there they go for it they there's so much always in the first episode of a TV show it sometimes it's the most like sexualized episode but it draws people in because people love sex and they're fascinated by it and it but then They can watch it and, you know, really enjoy it, but they can't then go and talk about it. Like we're in such a sexualized world that is so conservative at the same time, which is crazy. Like you wouldn't think it was looking from the outside in, but once you're in there, it's just a whole nother world of shame and stigma. But the funny thing is true. When they do
1: do say a sex scene, they can all, well, majority of the times they'll do say a full frontal of the female, never the male. It's only very rare that you will see, and it'll be a quick glimpse of full frontal of a male.
0: Yeah, it's because females are just like the money shot, especially even in porn, you see the cameras always on the female. Half the time you don't even see the bloke, you just see his bottom half. As long as you can see his penis and what he's doing with that, that's all that matters everything on the female as long as she looks like she's enjoying it you can see everything and then the only other part obviously at the end is when they have them like their, their cum shot and that's the most that the male gets like it's always just on the female yes very true very true anyway I think we've covered basically everything and more. Um, It's been amazing having you on. I always love talking to you about all this stuff we talk about on a daily basis. And thank you for sharing your insight and being open and vulnerable and telling, yeah, telling the world about yourself and your own sex life and perceptions of sex. No worries. Thanks for having me on, Emily. I'm wishing you all the best with this. Well, what an episode that was. I just want to say thanks to my mum again. That was absolutely amazing. And I'm so grateful that she could be my first guest to come on to the show. Now, if you guys have any questions, comments, or want to share any stories with The Sealed Section, please feel free to email me at emilyduncan@thesealedsection.com, at thesealedsection.com or reach out to me through my Instagram at The Sealed Section. Thanks, guys. <laughs>